We are going on now. We are in our second to last message. Uh, you won't want to miss next week. We're going to clean it up with what does it mean to pray in the Spirit. But this week, we're talking about prayer changing things, praying from your true identity. And uh, we're going to be talking about who we are and how that affects how we pray. And so, Heavenly Father, we ask that you would open our hearts right now, even if it's just to receive that one thing that we would learn and grow in you. For Father, you are our hope, and we place our faith in you. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to open up the subject today with a video I've shown here in church before, but it really says it so well. And I think sometimes it's good to review videos. I mean, how many of you have ever seen a movie more than once because you liked it, you know? How many of you have seen a movie 50 times because you liked it? Amen. Now, you know, a, I got a few of those as well. So I want, I want you to watch this again and watch it with the eye of what does this have to do with our identity? Let's watch this. John, let me stop you right there. I realize it may be easier doing it this way. I just don't feel right about it. I know we may lose a contract. And you know what? I just don't care. I just don't want it to appear like we're cheating people. I can't be concerned what other people are doing. This is not how I'm going to run my business. You've been great on the project. And I'm not trying to ruffle feathers. I'm really not. It's just that it's not who I want to be. Okay, you too. See you Monday. Hey, kid, what's for dinner? Pizza or tacos? One sheet, it's multiple choice. Remember, you have plenty of time for this test, so take your time. Don't make any careless errors. Be sure to answer all of the questions. And remember, eyes on your own paper, all right? Hey, did you study for this? No, I had baseball last night. Did you? A little. I think I got it. You can look at mine if you want. I don't care. Love when you guys clap for a video. <laughs> David Benner is a psychologist and he wrote the book, The Gift of Being Yourself, defines identity as who we experience ourselves to be. His famous quote is this It is the I each of us carries within. The I each of us carries within. Often we can feel the pressure to define ourselves by a lot of things, things that involve the world, things like our jobs, what we do. I am a plumber, I am this or I am that, and it tends to define us, which can be a very, very dangerous thing to do, and I'll get to that in a moment. Or we can be defined by our successes and achievements. I have degrees in this, and I did this, and I can run this, and I ran that, and I 
uh, served here and I did this and I did that and all of a sudden who we are is defined by what we did. Could also be defined by some of the bad things. You know, this happened to me and I grew up in this neighborhood or in this state or I did this or I'm this. And we can choose to let what we've done in the past or people we've hurt define us as well. Some of it can be our financial status. Feeling low about yourself and all of a sudden you pull up, I have a nice house. I got good cars. I got toys. I got things. I'm one of those people that has things. I am that. Again, you'll see in a moment, it can be very dangerous to define ourselves by this stuff. Some of it can be our address, where we live. Uh, I live in Seven Oaks. I live in, uh, I don't know the names of neighborhoods very well last <laughs> Last service, I go, come on, give me the name of a really good neighborhood that you live in. And so he goes, Oildale, you know. <laughs> I mean, you know, but whatever you may think is a status neighborhood, you know, we can try to define ourselves by that. Or, or maybe our age and appearance. Someone will say, you know, I, Tom, I'm just old. I'm just old. I'm, I, I'm tired of hearing that. You may be older. Older often means more mature, wiser, and more trustworthy. No, <laughs> it does mean all those things. But, you know, we can define ourselves. You know, I'm just old now. Those days have gone by for me. Or I'm too young, and that doesn't apply to me yet. I still do my own thing, but I'll do that later. We can define ourselves by our age or our appearance, how we look. But most importantly, I would say the number one that we choose off this list would be what other people say about us. How we rate. How do I rate in the world? In fact, we're all about rating the world, right? Every time I download an app, they want me to rate it. Every time I buy something off uh, walmart.com or whatever, they want me to rate the experience, you know? Because so much of our identity is wrapped up in how other people rate us. But see, here's the kicker, and here's what I really wanted you to listen to. What happens to our identity when one of these areas experiences failure? And you're inevitably going to experience failure in one of these areas. What happens when all of a sudden you fail on the job? What happens when you haven't had success or achievements or degrees in 20 years and it's a fading memory? What happens when your financial status changes? What happens when your address has to change because the financial status changes? What happens when your age and appearance changes because you are now aged and it has affected your appearance? <laughs> Didn't mean that to be funny, but <laughs> what happens when you lose favor with somebody and all of a sudden you don't rate five stars you rate one star or two stars and they want to return you and the 90-day expiration date hasn't expired yet what happens when we experience failure lose someone's favor or become so burnt out in our jobs I don't want to do this anymore I hate my job but your identity has been so wrapped up in your job, not only do you hate your job, you hate what it's done to you because we so easily make our jobs who we are. And when that happens, we no longer know who we are. And when we no longer know who we are, there's no telling the terrible things we might do. Do you know what the number one cause of death 
for 50-year-old males in America is the number one cause of death? It's what you're thinking. It's suicide. Suicide is the number one cause of death amongst American males 50 years or doesn't matter what ethnic, race, color, anything, number one cause of death. Suicide. Why? Because they defined themselves by all these other things and inevitably some chink in the armor broke. Something happened and now they're 50 years old wondering, who am I? Without these things, who am I? What am I about? What's the point of even being here? 3,000 teenagers every day attempt suicide because they're crying out, trying to discover who am I? And more importantly, how do I rate in the world? When our identity is found in these things, when they are shaken, the very foundation of who we are is also shaken and altered, resulting in us hustling to define ourselves by someone else or something else as quick as we can. You ever heard the term rebound relationship? Someone was married, they're divorced, and they want to be married again so badly because that marriage helped define them as worthy of someone's love or affection. They just hop into another relationship. We call it the rebound. Note give them time, times, themselves time to heal and process what ended the first relationship. See, when, when we define ourselves by that list I just gave you, when circumstances change, we, we change. And the problem with that is you are on a psychological roller coaster hoping and praying that everything goes well because the moment it doesn't, we just don't know who we are anymore. When it comes to identity, you got two choices. And this is from me. Two choices that I can see in life. Choice number one, over in this corner, you can choose who you are by who you are in the world. How you rate to the world, what you have in the world, what you've done in the world, what your age is in the world. All this, You can choose, that's who I am. Who I am to the world, that's me. But there is a second choice. And that second choice is who am I to God? Who am I to Jesus? I'm going to leave my identity in the world and come into my identity in God's family, in God's kingdom, in Christ's fellowship. And that is who I choose to be. One of the richest passages about identity in the Bible is found in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 13 to 14. He sa and Paul says in Ephesians 1, we have been blessed with every spiritual blessing. We have been chosen, adopted, redeemed, forgiven, grace lavished, and unconditionally loved and accepted. Now, put your phones down for a second. If there is one sentence I really want you to hear, it's this one. I'll give you a moment. Come back to me. Come back to me. Mark? Come back to me. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> He's just coming through the door when I said that. Are you with me? Are you with me? Listen to this. All right, listen to this. When we are in Christ, these aspects of our identity can never be altered by what we do or what happens around us. You see, 
God is unchangeable. The world is very changeable. Many of you have lived long enough to look back on life and say, you know what? The world has changed. Things have changed. People has changed. The country has changed. The culture has changed. So much has changed. It is constantly changing. It's going like this all the time. And if you want your identity to be like this all the time, stick it in the world. It will never fail to give you exactly that. But God is unchanging. You see, in the world, you may be accepted one day, rejected another. In Christ, you are accepted, you are accepted, you are accepted, you are accepted, you are forgiven, you are forgiven, you are forgiven, you are forgiven. Not so, I don't know over here, maybe you are, maybe you're not. Flip the coin. Depending on how someone's emotions may be that day, depending on how they're, how they're feeling that day, you may rate higher or lower. Over here, with God, you are always five stars. You are always his child. You are always forgiven. You are always chosen. You are always pursued. And you are adopted. When we are in Christ, these aspects of our identity can never be altered. And I can't tell you how many times I have sat with people and they really think because they sit. All right, listen, I'm going to say something. All right, you listen to me? I'm going to say something. I don't want you to take this as a license to go sin your brains out. All right? But here's the thing. Even if you sin your brains out, your identity never changes in Christ. You are loved, chosen, accepted, wanted. You have a family to belong to, a father who desires you, a Jesus who prays for you, and a Holy Spirit who fills you. If you want to take that and go send your brains out, you can, and you'll never lose that. But that is our identity when we are in Christ. Now, when I was reflecting on the passage in Ephesians 1, here's a couple things we are not. First of all, we are not under the law. We are covered by grace. We are not in bondage. We are redeemed. We are not rejected by performance. We are accepted through our identity in Christ. We are not orphaned and abandoned, but we are adopted into a family. We have a people. We have a place to belong. We have a future that we're going to. But if we still think we are under the law, if we still think, oh, I've got I've to do something to make God happy, I've got to do something to make God think I'm a good guy. I've got to do something to get God to forgive me. I've got to do something to get God to bless me. I've got to do something to get God me to do this, 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 and this. If you think you are under the law, then that's how you will live and pray through. That we must always do more in order for God to love us and bless us. If we think we are still in bondage, we will take on the identity of the thing that we think we're in bondage to. One of the things that I'm really toying with is a lot of people come in and they come in for healing and they say, I'm a sick person and I want God to heal me and make me whole. I'll say, well, are you a believer? You believe in Jesus? Yeah. Then you are not a sick person. You are a follower of Jesus. You are a child of God who is struggling with a sickness. You see the difference? One, the illness is defining them. 
The other, their identity in Christ is defining them and the illness is just something that's attached that we're going to pray for. But we say things, I am an addict. I am liar. I am lazy. I am Irish. <laughs> See what happens when you just start going from the hip? You never know what's going to come out, you know. No, no, no. Those are your adjectives. Those are your adjectives. But the noun is, I am a child of God. I am in Christ. So next time you're all, you know, oh, I'm just one of those emos. I'm one of those depressed people. Don't say that. Stop yourself and say, no, what, no. I am a child of God who is struggling with this. And God, right now, we're going to attack this struggle in prayer. Because this is who I am. And when who you are is in Christ, it can't ever be altered by what happens to you. It can't ever be altered by what you do. It can't be altered by what you have done. It can't be altered by what has been done to you. And it can't be altered by what you struggle with. You are loved, chosen, adopted, forgiven. You are. The Bible goes to great lengths to say God does not change. Hebrews 13 8, Jesus Christ, who is God, is the same yesterday, today, ever. God does not change like shifting shadows. We do, the world does, we live in a world of change. God does not. And so when our identity is in him, our identity never changes even if we start attaching to that identity some struggles and things that we're going through. Amen? If our identity is rejection, listen to me for a sec. If your identity of who you are is rejection, you'll be performing for the world the rest of your life. You'll never think you measure up. You'll never think you're good enough. You'll never think just who you are. It'll always be based on one of those other things. How do I, you'll look in the mirror. Oh, I'm this person. Or you might feel old. I'm old. My body hurts. I can't do stuff anymore. Yeah, you can. You can do it. You just hurt. Right? When I was 18, I could climb 6,500 feet and wake up the next day and do it again. I'm 45, and yesterday in Red Rock Canyon, I climbed a mountain with my son, 6,500 feet. I could not do it today. I hurt, but that's okay. Getting older doesn't change anything. I still did it, amen? If I had to do it, and there was a cheeseburger, fries, and a Coke wagon at the top, I'd still be up that mountain, probably in half the time. So my point is this. If our identity is rejection, you will be performing for the, you'll be nothing but a mask. And the only real you will be the secret you. And nobody gets to see. If your performance is, if your identity is out of a sense of abandonment, feeling like an orphan, then your identity will always be alone in yourself. Oh, you may be around people. You may even be married. They even have a house full of kids and co-workers who talk to you every day. But when you live life feeling like an orphan, abandoned, 
not really belonging or fitting in anywhere, you'll live the rest of your life alone in yourself. Because even though that's not your identity in Christ, it's what you've chosen your identity to be. We are not under law. We are not in bondage. We are not rejected. And we are not orphaned. And yet those four things, ask anybody who does counseling in Christianity, those four things, wouldn't you say, hit, hit the major crust of the pie right there? Those four things. And all is rooted in our sense of identity. You know, do I, do I struggle with times with, oh man, I haven't been nice lately. I don't know if God likes me. Yeah, sure, that thought comes to me. Do I have some times where some of my old addictions and habits kind of rise up and want to get a hold of me? Sure. Do I have times where I walk home, I'm like, man, you are a total loser, Tom Nackey. Do I have times where I'm like, you know, I don't know if I fit in anywhere. You know? <laughs> yes, of course we have times, but that's not my identity. My identity is I'm accepted, I'm a child of God, and even though I struggle with this stuff, this is who I am, right? This is who I am. And so I say, shut up, Satan, you know, get out of my head, <laughs> stop it. Even if Satan's speaking through another person, I called someone Satan the other day. It was like a total faux pas. I felt so bad, you know, but, but, uh, but you know, sometimes you just have that, you know, you're just like, no, get out of there, because that is not who I am. There's kind of three things, and this has evolved over years, but I would suggest when you go home, do this. Say, my identity is this, and if you look on your discussion sheet, on the front side, you'll see, I, I, cu- I, I wish I'd have wrote this, I didn't, I cut and pasted it from somewhere. Well, from the internet. And uh, I cut and pasted it in there. And it's got like a whole bunch of things that are your identity in Christ. Should you choose to have your identity in Christ? It is your choice. You do not have to choose to have your identity in Christ. I wouldn't recommend it, but it, God gives us the free will to choose him or not. But, that, but that's a big list. I don't know about you. I don't remember 17 things. I can remember three or four. So here's the three that I try to remember, and these have evolved most of my life. You can ask my wife, my wife here? Somewhere? There she is. You can ask my wife, when she first met me, the concept of me being God's child completely lost on me. I did not live life as God's son. I was like his. If if there was something lower than a slave, that's where I was. But one of the things that really challenged me was this amazing verse from the Bible. In John chapter 1, verse 12, the first part of my identity is I am a child of God. And listen to this, verse 12, yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, the name of Jesus, he gave the right to become children of God. I have a father. I have a family. I have a house I'm going to be living in. I have, a, I have parties we're going to be having. I, I belong to a father and a family. I'm not just some scum slave that God's going to let in. I'm his child. Born not of natural descent nor of human decision or husband will, but born of God. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Second part of my identity I am a friend of God. Same book, John chapter 15, verses 15 to 16. John says, he writes, Jesus is saying this actually, I no longer call you servants because a servant doesn't know his master's business. Instead, I have called you what? Friends. 
<laughs> friends. I love that. Friends. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I learned from my Father. I have made known to you. And this is the best part. You did not choose me, but I chose you. Now, I'll be honest. There's people in my life and world, I really wanted them to be friends with me. So you know what I did? Oh, I broke out the Tom Nackey performance of a lifetime. <laughs> Let me tell you, you know, you, you should be friends with me, only you don't know it yet because you don't know what a great guy I am. But I am just going to like do everything in my power to see that you want to be friends with me because I am choosing you to be my friend even though you probably haven't chosen me yet. You ever, you ever done that? Spent time? You really want to be someone's friend, so you just the performance of a lifetime to try to get a friendship. You know what the beauty of God is? No performance. Before you even asked for forgiveness, before you believed in his name, before you took your first breath in this world, God already chose you. God already chose you. I think he laughs when we try to do bat flicks for him to get his favor. He scratches his head going, don't you know I've already chosen you? You don't, you don't need to do that. You don't need to do that. I mean, if it makes you feel better, do it, but you don't need to do that. I've chosen you. God chose me to be his friend before I ever took my first breath. And then last but not least, and some of you will not like the way I worded this, some of you may not like the way it sounds. I know my wife doesn't like the way it sounds. Okay. That's why it's mine. She can have hers. I am an employee of God. I, now, I know what some of you are thinking. Yeah, Tom, you're the pastor. Of course you're employed by, you are directly employed by God, you know. Set that aside for a moment. Just because my vocation happens to be ministry, that's not what I mean by this. Let's read the verse together and you'll figure it out. This is Jesus right after the resurrection. He says, but on the evening of the first day of the week when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Now they freaked out because Jesus was killed. The tomb is empty and all of a sudden he appears before them. And John doesn't go in this like the other gospels do, but they freaked out. So Jesus has to show them what? The nails in his wrists, in his, in his wounds. This is me. I was the one hanging on the cross. This is me. So then he says in verse 21, again. He's like, again. We, we tried this once. Now we got to do this again. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. Sending you to do what? To build the kingdom of God on earth. That when people want to see God, they'll see him in you. You're made in his image. His choice is to be seen through you. If he has to burn up a bush without burning it, he will. If he has to swirl in a cloud of smoke and fire, he will. I don't think that's his choice. We know what God's first choice in his image on the earth is. It's us. And by Jesus coming and dying and rising from the grave, his first choice to be the hands, feet, hugs, and smiles of God is the church. It's us. 
Satan doesn't just have to be here. The church doesn't just happen here. The church happens wherever you go. The church happens on your job, your family parties, your recreation, your vacations, your camping, your whatever. Building his kingdom. That we are co-workers together. I'm a child, I'm a friend, I'm a co-worker. Say that to yourself enough times. Nothing will shake and shatter it. And you know it's true. You're basing it not on just your thoughts, but on scripture. And so this morning I want to go through a very simple exercise. Joy, you may have seen this one before, but this is the identity pyramid. They do this in psychology classes. They do this. I've, I've seen this before. I saw it just recently at a conference I was attending, attending but I, I've seen this throughout the years come here and there. And Vicki, remember, don't put it up yet. Just, the, yeah. We're gonna, we're gonna, the first service, I was like, can you guess? And they're like guessing the whole thing. I'm like, would you guys read my notes? It was the slide was up there. So, no, we're make, you, make you think about this one a little bit. But if you got, you got a sheet there in your bulletin, you should have had another sheet. And if you want a pen, you might write this down. Uh, keep this with you. Think about this. But this is uh, sort of the, what they call the identity pyramid. And it helps. A lot of times it'll help counselors, psychologists, and I think even pastors, you know, kind of get some more information as to who you think you are. A lot of times, counselors and pastors and, and psychologists, they can't help the person until they understand, well, who does this person see themselves as? And so we're going to do that a little bit. I want, I'm a little curious to see how you see it. Now, in this pyramid, we have the foundation that's at the bottom, and then we have, of course, we have the peak at the top. I will let this be choose your own adventure. All right? Would you like to start from the top down or the bottom up? How many of you, you'd like to start from the top down, you know, top, top, all right. How many of you, bottom, bottom up? A few more of you pick the bottom, okay, so we're going to go with the bottom, all right. <clears throat> Not a bad choice because the bottom is the foundation, right? So down at the bottom, right in this, the first sort of tier, the foundational tier of your identity is security, security. And that essentially means who can I trust and who is my covering? Security. Who can I trust and who is my covering? All right? The next one up is identity. Now you say, I I thought the whole thing was about identity. Yeah, but the specific part of your identity where you answer the question, what do I think of myself and who am I? in Christ, or if you don't define yourself in Christ, who am I in the world? So what do I think of myself and who am I in Christ? For our application, I'm gonna leave it in Christ. So security at the bottom, who is my covering, who can I trust? Identity, the next one up, who am I in Christ and what do I think of myself? The third one is belonging, who wants me? Who wants me? Belonging. Who wants me? Who are my people? Who are my people? The fourth one up is purpose. Purpose. What is my calling and why am I alive? What is my calling? Why am I here? Why am I alive? What is the thing I am to do? 
And then finally at the very tip is competence. What do I do well? What am I good at? How has God gifted me? What do I do well? What am I good at? Or how has God gifted me? Now you can play your own drink for a little bit and ask yourself some of these questions. And I, I had an idea to maybe extend this a little longer, but for the sake of time, I won't. Um, but this is a good thing. These, this is a good thing. Take this, go home. Ask yourself honestly how you answer some of these questions because how you answer some of these questions affects what you believe and what you believe affects your behavior. So look at these really closely and ask yourself, what are the honest and true answers to some of these questions? And for some of them, you may not have an answer. That's good. Ask God to answer it with you. Amen? But the most important tier is obviously which tier? The, the bottom, right? The bottom is the foundation. The most important part of identity is found in our security. Who can I trust? Who is my covering? Because you see, when that gets shaken, everything else above it gets shaking. I've met people, they've had traumatic experiences happen. <laughs> they've had traumatic experiences happen in their lives. And it shakes the foundation of their trust. I can't trust this type, these type of people, or I can't trust men, or I can't trust women, or I can't trust authority, or I can't trust this. And believe it or not, when your trust is shaken like that, all of those other things are going to be augmented and altered to fit that trust. So what I'm offering you this morning, what I'm asking you this morning, is to answer that question, this is who I trust. This is who I trust. I trust Jesus Christ. I trust the Holy Spirit. I trust God. He is my covering. And every single one of these tears is going to be altered because my foundational trust is in Jesus Christ. Now some of you who may have been wounded and beat up and, and you're a little independent, your trust is in yourself. And I, and I know that sounds good, you know, I trust myself and I'm strong and I'm confident, but here's the problem, sooner or later, life is going to throw something at you and you experience failure and all of a sudden you're not sure if you can trust yourself, but you've been so sure that you can trust yourself and now you're not sure if you can trust yourself and you're thrown into all this confusion and all of a sudden you don't know who you are. I trust my job and my employer. Bad idea. I've seen more companies go under. Economies rises and falls. Oh, I, I, I trust my parents. They're not going to be here forever either. Oh, I, I, I trust. You start running out of things to put in there that you can really trust in, right? Because everything else is so incredibly weaker and less trustworthy in comparison to a God who never sleeps, a God who is never afraid, a God who has never been defeated, a God who has never been wrong, a God who has always been perfect, 
a God who will always love you, a God who will always forgive you, a God who is always there for you, a God who will be your best friend. You begin to look at that, you begin to wonder, why would I trust anything else other than Jesus when he has all these qualifications and the world is steeped in unreliability? It's just our pride. Because coming under here requires one thing. One thing only. He is above us. And we are his children. He's dad. We're the kids. In my household, trying more every day, dad is in charge. Amen? All right. You guys got quiet. (laughs) See the slide? <laughs> That's why you don't want to put that on one up right away. So if if you take your discussion sheet and you flip it over, I want to give you a few things real quick to take home and then we'll go home. Number 1, identify the life experience that is defining you. So many times when I meet with people, there is something in their past that is defining them. They were hurt by someone. That's defining them. They were abandoned by someone. That's defining them. They were the captain of the football team, but that football team is 20 years in the past now, but that's still defining them. They were the best on their job, but then they got fired. That's defining them. Uh, You know what I'm saying? There's usually some experience in the past where if you ask God to show you it or you think about it long enough, you can find it and say, you know what? I think this thing is talking to me. Why is it important? Because it's probably that life experience that is skewing who you trust and who your covering is in. It's making you focus more on that than what God can do to overcome that. All right? First thing is identify the life experience that is defining you. And I bet you I could line you all up. It wouldn't take you more than 10 seconds to say what is the big one all right forget about just what is the big one bam 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 we go down the line i bet you know it right away identify that and then number two give it to god in prayer i think until you do this i don't think your prayers are going to change anything once you do do this your prayers could change everything because all of a sudden your identity is rooted in who you really are in Christ the third thing purge daily the negative feelings that may linger purge daily the negative feelings that may linger even if those negative feelings stare you in the face you may wake up and you remember that life experience yes you know what no I ain't going there I ain't going there in Jesus' name, get out of my head. You know? You may wake up and you may be like, you know what? I'm this and I'm, I'm all these things that are over on this side. Uh-uh. I'm not going there. Purge daily who you are not. Purge daily. Say, I am not under the law. I am not in bondage. I am not rejected. And I'm not an orphan. No! You may have to do it daily. Every time I stand in front of the mirror, I am reminded of something that bothers me. Because when I was younger, I was not always as calm and collected. Don't laugh, Tanya. I'm not always as calm and collected as I am right now. I was a little fighter guy. I got into lots of fights. I had braces as a teenager. I had completely straight teeth. And now they're all crooked. 
because teenage boys punched on me. And now I got a broken nose and three spots and crooked teeth. Every time I look in the mirror, I can remember when all of that happened and how it felt. And it could just bring me down right away. No. No. I may have crooked teeth, but I got a straight God. Amen. I may have a busted nose, but I have a whole Jesus who's renewing me and refining me every day of my life. If I get teased, I'd rather get teased by what God has healed me from than how I define myself with. Amen? And then finally, number four, create a world of reminders. You know what that means? Put it on your wall. I love when I go over to people from the church's house. They got scriptures on the wall. They got paintings. Uh, If you guys remember Wayne, if everybody ever went to Wayne's house, Wayne had paintings of the Bible all over his house, you know, and scriptures. He, he played music, you know. He, he wore necklaces. He had things all over. I mean, just remind, if you read the book of Deuteronomy, that's a fifth book of the Bible, no less than 17 times Moses says, do something to remember all this. Write it on stones, write it on your forehead, write it on clothing. He said, always write it. Why? Because our default in the morning is to forget. You don't wake up, remember, our default is to forget. I often have to remind myself who I am every morning. No, wait, wait, wait. I'm not this. I'm that. I'm this. Have that reminder. Now that I think about it, Tanya, we could do better in that area. We should start putting up some stuff on our walls to remind ourselves. We have stuff like wash your hands, which is a, a good reminder, by the way, especially when you have three boys. But, uh, you know, we got to get some of that stuff on there, too. No, I'm, t- I'm kidding. We have reminders. Create reminders. There was about 18 years ago when I uh, first started in ministry, we would pray in pairs at the church we came from, the, the one just before I came here. And So I was in the prayer room, and this lady came in, and she was struggling. I, I didn't quite get it, and I'd never heard of this at the time, but she said, I am a victim of identity theft. You ever heard of that? And, uh, and I didn't really, that was new back then in like 2003 or whatever it was. And Identity theft. She's crying. Somebody got a hold of her social security number, her address, her birthday, and opened up credit cards in her name and bought a whole bunch of stuff. Stupid me. My first question was, what'd they buy? <laughs> Think of like plasma TVs or something like that. But she said, you know, it's not, it's not that I got robbed. They stole me to do it. The enemy is into identity theft. Every day the dark forces of this world wake up. Well, they don't, they don't wake up, but they watch you wake up and they want to steal your identity. Spiritual identity theft. My encouragement to you this morning is don't let them get your life locked with Jesus in place and wake up and say, nope, don't matter how many numbers you get, I am his and he is mine. And nothing you can do will ever alter that in Jesus' name. Amen? Before we go today i'd like you 
to identify perhaps that one thing that is there in the past that might be defining you a bit too much. Even if it was a benign trauma. Even if it was an accident or intentional. Something that was done to you or quite frankly, maybe it was something you did to someone or something. Let God show you what that might be. And don't let it define you any longer. We are who He says we are. We have what He says we have. So go ahead and repeat after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I give this to you. It will not define me. It will not define me. I am in Christ. I give this to you. Take it from me and help me daily to never go back. To this identity I am in Christ in Jesus name amen